You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Happy New Year, everybody. It's January something or other, 2011. Hope you had a good holiday. Hope you had a rocking New Year. I did nothing on New Year's. My uh, husband had a little DJ gig, so I stayed home alone, which is fine. You reach a point in your life where you just don't want to go out and watch people get drunk, particularly people who only get drunk you know, once a year, the amateur night. That's what bartenders call New Year's, Halloween, St. Patrick's Day, amateur night. I prefer to drink with the professionals. I am Irish, Catholic. I prefer to drink with the professionals. So it wasn't much of a nightmare to be home alone on New Year's Eve. I hope you had a better New Year's or a happier New Year's or, or the New Year's that worked for you. Mine worked for me. And that you're looking forward to 2011 just as much as I am. Because now you know we're in the run-up to the next presidential election. And if you're paying attention, and I hope you are all paying attention because you're all listening because you're interested in sex, but if you're interested in sex, you'd really got to be interested in politics too because there's a lot of overlap because the politicians, particularly the resurgent Republican Party douchebagathons, they take a keen interest in you and your sex life and your sexual freedoms and your sexual rights, and so you should take a keen interest in them and what they're up to. And, you know, we took it in the face last November. We're looking forward now to a year from next November when we get to vote, Senate, House, President, all over again. And we need to do the work of uh, stealing back the House and keeping the Senate and reelecting Barack Obama. Because it's New Year's, of course, I'm contractually obligated as a member of the media to say some bullshit about resolutions. People are supposed to make resolutions. I don't know what kind of New Year's resolutions to make myself. I already go to the gym. I don't smoke. I can't resolve to be nicer because I get paid to be an asshole, so I'm sort of resolutionless. But I would hope all of you out there listening will join me in resolving to stay politically engaged, stay in the fight, take on the Republicans, fight for our sexual freedoms and all the rest of our freedoms. Let's take the teabag back because you know what? We were teabagging before they were. And let's win this November. And next November, and every November after that, your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. I am a 25-year-old female, and I've been living with my boyfriend for a few years now. We've been together for about four years. And I guess we've been kind of going through a rough time lately. Um, I've been personally, I guess, I've been personally going through a lot of problems. Like, I just, I've been really stressed out with my job, and I'm just overall kind of under a lot of pressure. And um, when I come home, I'm often really upset, and I just, cry a lot or I want to stay in and stuff like it's, it's not that I'm completely um, taking it out on him I mean but I just mean I think that he wants somebody that's pleasant and um, wants to you know just come home and be happy and go out on the weekends all the time and 
I'm just, you know, I'm going through a rough time. The last thing I need is somebody to, like, constantly be mad that I'm going through a rough time. And I guess I want your opinion on, on what I should do because, you know, I really love him and I want this to work. But on the other hand, I feel like he's making me feel bad about the fact that I'm depressed and I understand I need to help myself. But I guess I just, I don't really know where to begin and how much of this is my fault and how much um, is him just not being understanding. You don't say how long this rough patch has been going on. If it's been going on a very short time, like a few months, you, we all have the right sometimes to be down, to have a to have a low period of a blue period, like Picasso. But if this has been going on for a year or two, I could see getting sick of it. You say he wants to come home to someone pleasant. Well, who doesn't want to come home to someone pleasant? If this is – if he's getting the impression that this is the new normal, that you're – not wanting to go out and that all you want to do is stay home and be sad and cry and that means he has to stay home and be sad for you and watch you cry. I could see why he would be getting impatient after a year or two because he's not your therapist. He's not a nurse in the psych ward who's being paid to observe you or dole out your meds. He's your boyfriend. He's your partner. He's somebody that you're supposed to have, you know, take solace and take comfort and rely on for emotional support. Yes, but then the payoff for providing that kind of emotional support to someone is good times. So you have to find a way to get back to a place of even when you're down, even when you're sad, even when you're under pressure, you can still find some joy. Uh, if not in your own life, in his life, you can create some joy together. And if this doldrums, if this down period has been going on for a very long time, you may need to think about, if you haven't already, medicating. This may be, if you call it a depression over and over again, are you seeing someone? Are you thinking about going on antidepressants? Uh, if you're not, perhaps you should. But yeah, you have, after four years together, you have a right to expect some love and support from him during a downtime. What you don't have a right to do, I think, after you've been with someone for a while is take what had been the old normal, throw it out the window. You know, I'm ascribing too much agency to you, I realize, when I say throw it out the windows if you decided to have, like, a lot of pressure at work and be sad uh, and be in a bad point. But, you know, really sort of change the, the, the terms of the relationship. What had been for, you know, three, four years, relatively, you know, copacetic, you know, struggles and support and love and bad times and good times and suddenly nothing but bad times, really changing the settings. And I hope you pull through for your sake, for his sake, for the sake of the relationship, if it's worth preserving, if the relationship itself isn't contributing to your unhappiness. If it is contributing to your unhappiness, you might want to think about pulling the plug before he does. Hi, Dan. My name is Hans. I'm a gay man from Miami, Florida. Um, recently, I had an issue where um, I posted some pictures on Facebook. Um, there were some documentation of some art images, uh, of some artwork pieces that I made. And in, this, in these pieces of art, I was uh, wearing these things that were dress forms, but they weren't really they were dress forms that you know uh, you know there's nothing there was no real drag content to anything you know it was very much me sort of putting them on but there was nothing over overtly like transgender about them 
And so I put them on Facebook, you know, to share with everybody, you know, just the art that I was making and the, the documentation of it. And I get a call from my father about a few days after. Um, I, I'm, I'm out to my entire family. Everybody knows I'm gay. I have, you know, nobody has any problems with it. But apparently, um, my nephew, who's friends with me on Facebook, he's about 13 or 14, saw them. And he asked my sister about them. Um, and the thing about my nephew is he's really, really intelligent. He's a sharp kid, you know, and he's really with it. He doesn't live like in a bubble. He knows, you know, about gay life and all these things. So he's always making comments about it. You know, when you're 13, you'll make dumb, you, you make stupid kid fucking comments, but whatever. So my sister t- talks to my other sister who talks to my dad. And my dad completely, like, I guess he doesn't lose it. He doesn't lose it, but, like, he gets really upset. And he gets a call. He gets he sends me a text, you know, when you talk about Facebook. And he gives me a call. And uh, we had this long discussion, and it's really drawn out about, like, you know, he accepts me and this and that, and that's great. And he just, like, you know, he wants me to be more conscious about the, what I put on. And I'm trying to explain to him the whole time that what I'm doing is it's art. You know, it isn't me trying to pretend, you know, that I want to be a woman or anything. But, you know, it's documentation of art pieces that I made. And, you know, on top of that, there is another woman. There is a woman in the, in the images, you know, who was talking about this whole, like, super conceptual, artistic, artsy-fartsy idea. So I get really upset, mainly because, you know, my father is really busy. He doesn't have to be dealing with this bullshit. And I can't understand why my sister wouldn't come to me and ask me questions in the first place. I live a really open life. I'm very honest with who I am, with my sexuality, with my orientation, all these things. And I'm really upset at her. I call her early in the morning, and we get into this really huge fight. I mean, I'm yelling at her on the the phone at the top of my lungs because I'm so pissed off that she would be so... um, ridiculous, and instead of asking me, like, you know what about these things that should draw him into it you know she's a person who likes to stir the pot a lot and so uh, i just you know at first i guess my main question is you know was i wrong to sit there and really i guess flip out the way i did on her about something that i really feel is ridiculous that shouldn't be you know i think you know if it's an issue should be brought up to me since it's something dealing with my orientation in my life and you know, when it at a certain point, you know, I have a lot of nieces and nephews, and I'm sure this is a question that's going to be brought up more often uh, on more than one occasion. What should I do to, you know, be able to help my other siblings with these issues and talking to their kids? You know, I want to make sure that I give them the right answers and so that they can go about it in the correct manner and that we don't have another situation where I'm calling at 9 o'clock in the morning to yell at one of my sisters about something that's really stupid. Even if there was something overtly trans about those pictures or you were actually doing drag or you enjoyed putting on dresses and putting pictures of yourself on Facebook, so fucking what? That's what you got to say to your family. Calm the fuck down. I'm putting dicks in my mouth. Isn't that a bigger deal for you people than me occasionally putting a dress on? Even if it was a dress, it was just a dress form or whatever the fuck you mentioned it was. You just need to stand up for yourself and make a blunt declarative statement and then declare – after your declarative statement, declare the subject – Closed. I put on a dress. I took a picture. I put it on Facebook. Did you ever see Tootsie? Do you know who Rue fucking Paul is? Gay men sometimes put on dresses. I'm not saying Dustin Hoffman's gay. 
Gay men sometimes put on dresses as art projects or for entertainment or just for shits and fucking giggles. If you're worried about my 13-year-old nephew seeing a picture of me in a dress, defriend me because I'm not going to self-censor. The end. No more. Not going to talk about it anymore. As for how to, you know, approach this topic in a sensitive way that precludes any further screaming fights with your siblings, your parents. I'm sorry. That's what parents and siblings are there for. The occasional screaming fight. Can't be avoided. Feature, not a bug. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs, plus a free extra gift, plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi again. Um, I recently started seeing this guy and he is 24 and he was a virgin until we started hooking up and I kind of was confused about why at first, but it turns out he has some issues, I guess. Um, or I don't know, not issues, but like he's confused about some things. Like he had told me that he um, was interested in having sex with men and that um he sometimes thought maybe he should have been born a girl, but when I asked him if he thought he might reassign, he said no, he wasn't He wasn't a girl. So that was, I guess, a little confusing. And at first I sort of reacted badly to it. I was kind of like, well, is this person gay and I'm just wasting my time? But I've had like a lot of sex with him now and he seems to really enjoy it. So that's not really so much of a concern. Um, what I'm really, I guess, a little bit worried about is he, um, he told me recently that he cross-dresses. And he was very upset and ashamed, and he didn't really want to talk about it. And, I mean, I don't really have a problem with that. It wasn't really much of a surprise after the other things he told me, but um, he just seemed so adamant that he was going to get over this and he was going to be done with it and, like, move on. And I just felt like that was kind of doing himself a disservice, and I was a little worried about um, the, the self-violence of that repression. And I don't know if I should ever bring it up again? Like, should I ever try to talk to him? I don't want to push this issue because it's like his issue and it's a private thing. And I just don't know uh, what I should do. Like, should I ever say anything about it again? Or should I just let him try to um, silence this part of himself? It just seems, I don't know, it seems weird to me. Joining me by phone now, Helen Boyd, author of My Husband Betty, and also author of She's Not the Man I Married, My Life with a Transgender Husband. Uh, hey there, Helen. Thanks for uh, jumping on this call with me. Oh, I'm glad to. Um, so quickly, before we get to the particulars of this person's call, uh, tell us about your own story and your own background with uh, cross-dressers and trans folks. Uh, when I first met uh, my partner, who is currently female, um, she was living at the time as male and told me about three weeks into dating that she occasionally cross-dressed. Um, this is someone with a male identity who lived in the world as male, all of that stuff, declared male at birth. And um, I basically said, you know, okay, everybody's got their thing. And I uh, thought it was really fun, actually, in the beginning, because we went to fetish clubs and kind of cool places where, you know, men who cross-dressed, it was no big deal. We lived in New York at the time. So, um, but after a time, it became more, um, after we were kind of going out regularly, uh, all of a sudden, she kind of went from saying, uh, you know, I don't want the PVC skirts, I want, like, a denim one. Um, and all of a sudden, all of the other stuff started coming out. She realized that she identified as trans, 
started self-describing as transgender, for a long time basically hung out sort of in the middle with a primarily female identity, but she didn't legally transition or do anything medical for a while. And then a few years ago now, she went, you know, for all of it. So now she's legally transitioned as female, legally changed her name, has done the medical stuff, all of that kind of thing. So um, our path has been uh, not atypical. I think us staying together is probably the atypical part. So I wrote the first book really when she was still identified. Um, she identified then as a transvestite. She used that word just because it was the word that nobody liked. And she kind of perversed <laughs> that way. Uh-huh. Um, and we both kind of appreciated that. And then uh, be- started to identify as transgender as that word kind of came more into parlance. So we're talking about like 2003, 2004. Um, okay. And of course, writing the first book, we got exposed to all sorts of different trans people. So it kind of gave her a little bit more, both of us, more ability to kind of go, what's going on here? Now, originally, I invited you on to, to handle this call with me because I thought you might be able to allay this woman's concerns about <laughs> cross-dressing, meaning someone's trans. I hate to use the phrase because it sounds uh, like a negative, but you know, for a lot of people who are dating or with a guy who cross-dresses, their worst-case scenario is that he really wants to be a woman yep, and that he will transition mine. at some point. And yeah, absolutely. What is, what's your sort of privileged, uh, not privileged, your, uh, you know, right there in the thick of it, uh, knowledgeable about these things. Is that common or is that uncommon? Is your, your, your husband to wife's trajectory common or is that uncommon? My partner's trajectory is very common. Um, cross-dressers generally don't like for me to say that. There's a lot of, um, there are certainly cross-dressers who come out as cross-dressers and deal with being cross-dressers who stay, you know, have a primary male identity and stay cross-dressers their whole lives. They absolutely exist. They are out there. But um, there's also a significant amount of people who basically cross-dressing is like a platform or a plateau to start sort of examining gender um, and sort of developing some kind of comfort with presenting as female. I think for a lot of people who go that route, the idea that they actually might want to or need to transition is so far out and so unusual and so weird. It's like that's not even probable or possible or anything that they really don't realize that they're going to need to transition later. And it's only after spending, you know, some amount of time cross-dressing and realizing that it doesn't feel like enough and it doesn't, you know, kind of scratch the itch that they're trying to, you know, the thing that they're trying to fix, it doesn't fix it. Um, And so some people do go on to transition. Okay, so Um, getting to this caller, uh, first of all, I want to address her, this notion on her part that this cross-dressing, including, you know, his previous uh, confession that, you know, he sometimes thought about sex with men, he thought it might have been born a girl or should have been born a girl. And then she right. goes on to say, you know, I want, she wants to respect his privacy. This is his issue, his thing. And my reaction when I heard her say that, well, it's not his thing if he's dating you. It's your thing, too. <laughs> it's good for you. Good, good advice, yeah. I mean, I think one of the weirdest things about uh, that, that partners of cross-dressers complain about is that we get dragged into their closets. Um, because cross-dressers generally aren't out because to, you know, have any kind of respected male identity, especially if you're a straight guy, you can't go tell on your buddies or your workplace that you cross-dress. I mean, you, there's still it's still a huge taboo. So generally speaking, cross-dressers don't tell people about it except their wives or their girlfriends, um, who are often the ones, you know, otherwise, you know, while combing out the wigs and all that stuff, <laughs> end up doing that too. Um, there's sort of a lot of, you know, fashion tip stuff going on. 
um, that they they really end up being the only person who knows, and it's very isolating, and it and it sucks um, for a lot of women who. And who are happy dating cross-dressers otherwise. I mean, that sort of tends to be the, like, I'm okay with the cross-dressing, but I'm tired of nobody knowing about this, and I'm tired that I don't have any friends, and I'm tired that I can't tell my best friend, and I can't tell my sister, and I can't, you know, because once you tell one person... Everybody knows. The kind of, yeah, that's the kind of news that spreads. But so. there are, as you found when you guys were in New York, there was, you know, fetish clubs, there was a scene, there was kind right. of a community that could be accessed, particularly in a place that's as big and anonymous as New York. So you don't yeah, have to be isolated necessarily. And people everywhere have like figured out ways to do it. But it's no matter where you are, I think, as the girlfriend or as the wife or as the boyfriend in that in that case, it's still isolating because there's so few of us. Um, so even when you find scenes, like when we used to go out to clubs um, in New York, it was always assumed that she was a gay man. Um, and that takes a lot. I mean, after a while, you go out and you go out and you go out and people say, oh, come on, sweetheart, you're fooling yourself. Um, enough times, it can be very tough in terms of your confidence. Even if you know that you're having sex with your partner and all of that stuff, when other people are basically telling you, you know, you're an idiot, you can't possibly believe this person who cross-dresses is actually straight. And a lot of cross-dressers are. But well, they all are. That is the kind of thing. Drag queens are gay. I've never met a gay man who, who cross-dresses recreationally or cross-dresses in the way your partner did uh, or right. the way cross-dressers do. Um, so in the, the particulars here, this guy that she's dating, 24 years old and a virgin, right. cross-dresser, Ooh. deeply conflicted and ashamed, uh, has mm-hmm. thought about or had sex with men, uh, used to think, he says used to, past tense, think right. that he was or should have been born a girl. What's your advice for this woman if she's thinking about dating this guy? I wouldn't say don't date him. Um, People, I mean, for me, dating someone who and marrying someone who is trans has been an amazing, fulfilling, cool thing, and it is for a lot of partners. It's a lot, though. I mean, that's the one thing that I would tell her to be aware of, is that if there's already some questioning about sexual orientation, which a lot of the time there is as cross-dressers come out, they do sometimes want to experiment with men. Sometimes they do have to figure out if they, you know, should be living as female. There's a lot going on, and it really depends on the person and their commitment to the relationship and their commitment to their own stuff. I mean, it can get really tedious hanging around while someone else is working out their issues. Um, So it really depends on what kind of person she is and what kind of person he is and you know, how primary their relationship is, all of that kind of stuff. And, like, all of the other regular relationship stuff comes into play because it's basically it's like a high-crisis situation. There's going to always be a lot going on and a lot being questioned. And in this case, it sounds like he's a mess. Yeah. And yeah, often cross-dressers are, so I hate to say that, but... At least at this stage of their lives, that perhaps uh-huh. they are. But, but, but he certainly is. He sounds really conflicted about it, really in pain about it is he in any shape to be dating you know i always say to people you need to be in some sort of good working order in order to date you don't have to be perfect nobody's perfect but you can't be a mess and he sounds like a mess yeah he sounds like a mess um i mean it's it's better sometimes though i think with cross-dressers who are coming out i mean it's a huge thing to deal with right if you've got a straight male identity and then you have this other thing i mean they don't go together at all they don't the worlds don't mix and cross-dressers don't get a break, like, from any other group. You know, they're so their own thing. 
um, so that they don't, you know, they have a hard time finding support. So it's actually in some ways, if the guy was totally repressed about it and secretive about it, that would actually, but seeming together, that would almost be a worse case scenario. Like oh, if someone's a mess about it, it means they're actually starting to deal with it. And oh, so it's not necessarily the worst case scenario, but it does mean there's going to be a lot more bumps down the road. I mean, it can be, I'm an adventurous sort, but this was too much adventure even for me. So I just try to let wives and girlfriends know that, that it's it's a lot of stuff. I mean, and, and there's nothing really, you know, cross-dressers have to have a hard time finding support. You know, the trans community doesn't necessarily want them. The gay community doesn't necessarily want them. Like, feminists aren't interested. Like, they can't necessarily find a group to hang out with either. So and as soon as that kind of isolation happens, it just, you know, it's even worse. Um, and then you're the, you know, weird woman connected to this person, and that's even harder. And often people look at the partners of crossdressers with pity. Mm-hmm. And that isn't, I think, uh, the right attitude to take. There's something there. There's a relationship there um, that, that, that they value. And I hear from women all the time at the column who are with crossdressing partners and are into it and enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It can be really sexy and really fun, too. I mean, that's... um, And I think there are a lot of women who like men who have more feminine sides or who like the fetish element or whatever part of it that's, you know, in play. It depends on the couple. But, um, yeah, it can be a blast. And I've definitely... I know women who, like, have sought out cross-dressing partners. Um, Cross-dressers can be incredibly loyal boyfriends because they so appreciate someone trying to understand them or to be cool about it, um, that they repay that. Helen Boyd is the author of My Husband Betty, and She's Not the Man I Married, My Life with a Transgender Husband. You can learn more about her and her books at her website, myhusbandbetty.com, which is described as Helen Boyd's Journal of Gender and Trans Issues. Thank you so much, Helen, for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Best to you and your partner. Hey, Dan. Uh, this is a bi guy in L.A., and... Um, my friends know that I'm bisexual. My family doesn't know. And I'm kind of wondering, do I have any sort of obligation to actually tell them or anything? Or should I just wait to spring it on them on the off chance that I happen to start dating a guy that I really like or something like that? Do I need to say anything? Or I mean, I, meant, I don't really feel inclined to do so. Proudly part of the problem. Look, you're not obligated to do fucking anything. You owe it to yourself. I guess that's an obligation. That's obligatory rhetoric. You owe it. It would be in your own best interest. You don't necessarily owe it to yourself. It would be your own best interest to be open and honest with your family about who you are. Then you don't have to worry about them discovering it. Then you don't have to self-censor on your Facebook profile or when you are home for the holidays, people won't say homophobic things in front of you because they assume that we're all straight here, right? So we can say these homophobic things. And also you'll be making it better for yourself and others like you and others like you coming after you in the long run if you're out to your family. What you're hoping to do here is avoid an awkward conversation with your family and one that you as a bi guy have the privilege of potentially of avoiding because odds are you will end up potentially with an opposite sex partner and then you will never have to tell your family that you're bi or that you could have ended up with a same sex partner. And consequently, your family, uh, who aren't in LA presumably, can go on obliviously voting for anti-gay and anti-bi politicians 
and doing damage potentially to you because even if you end up with an opposite sex partner now, maybe in 10 years or 20 years, you'll end up with the same sex partner. Do damage to you and your relationships over the long run and do damage to other gay, lesbian, bi and trans folks in the short run. Nothing changes a person's attitudes about gay and lesbian and bi and trans people faster than knowing someone who's gay, lesbian, bi or trans. So if you're afraid to come out to your family because they're homophobic or biphobic or whatevs right now, you can make that better for yourself. How? By coming out to your family. It's this self-perpetuating cycle of justification. You know, I'm bi and uh, so I don't necessarily have to come out to my family and I don't want to come out to my family because they're homophobic. So I'm not going to come out to their my family because I'm bi and I don't have to and they're homophobic because I don't want to and I don't have to because I'm bi. See how that works? Come out to your family already. Do the right thing. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 21-year-old female from Seattle, and um, I have kind of a silly question. Um, I have been dating um, this guy for about a month, and we have been having sex, and it's really good. Um, but he is probably one of the first guys I've ever been with to actually, like, ask me to do things I've never done before. And um, most of them are things that it never occurred to me to kind of form an opinion beforehand, but... Um, there's been a couple things where I was like, oh, no, I'd never want to try that. And um, I'm what you could say a picky eater when it comes to sex. There's a few things that I really like and a few things that I just won't. I just have never tried before. And um, and anyway, so we're he's been kind of coaxing me into trying a lot of things that are actually kind of nice. But um, my concern is that, I don't know, I'm just all up in my head about ending up in some sort of rigging thing with a carrot at my butt or something. And (laughs) just not really realizing what's going on until it's already happening and having it all be filmed or something. Um, And I like the guy a lot and he seems really into sex and having sex with me. And I'm just nervous about what, I don't know where this is going and, and how fast or slow I should be taking it. And anyway, um, (laughs) <laughs> you could give me some advice at least either where to draw the line or how to get out of my head for two seconds to actually enjoy what's going on in my life right now. Um, that'd be awesome. It would be wonderful if we lived in a world where, you know, you only ever met and fell in love with and became intimate with someone whose libido matched yours perfectly. And I suppose it would be wonderful if we lived in a world where we only ever met and fell in love with and were attracted to people who were into the same thing sexually that we were, that there was a Venn diagram of his interests and your interests and it just looked like one big circle. But that's kind of not the way it works. Just like we often end up in relationships where, you know, there are differing libidos and uh, sexual appetites and uh, compromises have to be made. Somebody has to like <laughs> up their game. We often end up going to bed with and falling in love with people who are more adventurous than we are, or if I was talking to your boyfriend right now, perhaps less adventurous than we are. And then you got to communicate, then you got to work together, and then you got to take baby steps. And, you know, he may not get to do every crazy fucking sexually adventurous thing he wants to do. And you will wind up doing more crazy sexually adventurous things than you ever thought you were capable of. And so long as you take baby steps, you won't wind up in a rigging hanging from the ceiling with a carrot up your ass until you're ready to be in the rigging hanging from the ceiling with a carrot up your ass. And don't think now that you might not 
one day be ready for that. It'll help if you can establish trust with this guy and take things really slowly. Hopefully he's not rushing you. I tried to call you back because I wanted to know exactly what you've done already and what he's asking you to do next and how he's comported himself when you've risen to the challenge and gone places you didn't think you'd ever go for him and whether you, you, said, you said you've enjoyed some of these things. You'd be surprised often by your capacity for finding pleasure in someone else's pleasures, for discovering that you are really turned on by things that it didn't even occur to you to do until someone that you liked and found attractive and were in a relationship with suggested them because it turned them on. Often people who are crazy, kinky, hanging from riggings with carrots up their asses all over America are doing that not because when they were 13 and 14, 15 and 25 years old, that was what they wanted to do, but because they met somebody who had wanted to do that since they were 13, 14 and 15 years old, who inspired them to give it a try and they discovered that they really enjoyed riggings and carrots. Maybe you'll really enjoy those things. Maybe part of your trepidation uh, that comes across pretty clearly in your call is not fear uh, about who he is uh, because you do trust him, but fear about your capacity, fear about where this will wind up, how far you will go, and uh, how much being with him might change you sexually for the better or, as we like to refer to it, sometimes ruin you for other guys who might come after him who might not be as sexually adventurous as he is. Because imagine, you know, if he really opens you up to this world of possibility and world of kink and you discover that you really love it, you're not going to be able to settle for somebody in the future who's where you are right now or where you were before you met this guy. Hey, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old straight male from New York. And my question is about my girlfriend. She goes... She never used to go out very much. Started hanging out with an old friend again, a uh, an old friend, and all of a sudden, she's coming home at six in the morning and calling at two and saying she'll be home at three and wandering in the door at five o'clock. I work very early in the morning. I, I get up for work at three in the morning, and she won't call. To let me know if she's coming home, what's going on. She thinks I'm being intrusive for wanting to know, but we obviously we live together. And um, I was just wondering if I, if I would be wrong for wanting to end the relationship because of this constant running out of the house and and lack of contact. You don't need my permission to end this relationship, but you've got it. If it's making you unhappy. If you feel like you're being lied to, and it sounds like you are being lied to, if you think something's going on, and based on what you've described, I would say the odds that there is something going on, not with any particular one person or other, but with some person or persons, you have an absolute right to end this relationship. It's not working for you anymore. That said, you're 24. You don't mention how old she is. You don't mention how long you've been together. You know, if you guys got together when you were 18 or 19 years old and you've been in a relationship for five years and you really settled down before she was even 21, it could be a case where she didn't get to have her, her sort of free and easy young adulthood where she got to go out and if not sow her wild oats, at least kick up her fucking heels and have a little crazy late night scene stir fun. It would be less suspicious if she was inviting you to come along on this fun. 
the fact that she's leaving her 24-year-old boyfriend at home all night and coming home at 6 o'clock in the morning raises my suspicion level to critical mass. Something's up. Don't know what's up exactly with her. Know what's up exactly with you. You're unhappy. You're unhappy with how she's changed. You don't trust her anymore, particularly after listening to this. And you want out of this relationship. Get out of this relationship. You don't need her permission or my permission. You need to trust your gut. And you want out, and you should go. Hey, Dan. I am 18, and I've been dating my boyfriend for over a year. And we've been sexually active for... Oh, I don't know, a few months now. Um, and yet my mom, she took me to get birth control back when we were deciding that this was something that we wanted to do. Uh, but she refuses to let me sleep over at his house despite us having done it several times. Um, there's nothing that I can say that will convince her that it's okay. Um, I think it has to do with, you know, out of sight, out of mind. She got me birth control, but she can pretend that I'm not using it as long as I don't spend the night. Um, how do I talk to her about this? It's, I mean, I got, I could wait until I'm out of high school. Um, that's one of the things that she was like, girls in high school shouldn't be sleeping over at their boyfriend's houses. But, you know, uh, I don't know. How do I talk to her about this? It's sort of an issue. <laughs> it sounds like you're already talking to your mother about it. Girls in high school shouldn't be sleeping over at their boyfriend's house. She couldn't have said that to you if you hadn't discussed this with her. If your question is, how do I win this argument with my mother, I really can't help you if your mother's an irrational nutcase. It sounds like she might be just a touch irrational about this. You go to her and you say, I am sexually active. I'm also 18 years old and although still in high school for the next six months or so, legally an adult, you got me the birth control. I've been with this guy for a year. You've met him and presumably you approve of him because you haven't asked me to stop seeing him. You've only laid down this kind of arbitrary fig leaf of a rule that I'm not allowed to sleep at his house for right now. I'm on your mother's side, though, about school nights. You're still in high school. You should be home on a school night. But she should perhaps allow you stop being irrational, stop making distinctions without differences, and allow you to sleep over on Friday night and Saturday night if you care to. But she's your mom, and at the end of the day, there's kind of a her house, her rules thing, and you're still living at home, and she's probably still paying for everything. And that sometimes means that you don't have to pretend your mom's not being irrational, but you do perhaps have to defer to her irrationalities where your genitals are concerned and her comfort levels. Where your genitals and your mom's comfort levels intersect, your genitals lose. So long as mom is paying for everything and you're living at home. But you can reason with her. You can go on talking to her, which you're already doing. It might take six months or a year to win this argument, and by then, it'll be moot. Hi, Dan. I'm calling about episode, it's either 216 or 217, where that young gay guy called saying that he couldn't have anal sex 
he was embarrassed about having anal sex because he was having a dirty butt. You were so fucking mean to him. He, like, clearly asked you for advice. He was a nice, young, gay guy. And instead, you, like, put him down and called his butt like a chocolate ice cream machine. He, you didn't listen to his question. He asked you what it meant to have a good diet. You could have told him, like, eat lots of fruits and vegetables, eat a nice high-fiber diet. You just, like, berated him. I... I love your show and love you, but man, that that upset me. Hey, Dan. Uh, this is a comment about the woman that called in on episode 219 who was a, a lesbian and uh, was ending her marriage. Um, I've actually been on the other end of that, and she wondered what she can do to, you know, to feel okay with herself when it's all said and done. And the only two words that I can tell her are be kind. Um, unfortunately, when when my wife was leaving, at first um, there was a little bit of dishonesty about why she was leaving, and I ended up finding out on my own what was really going on. And you know, I once I understood what was actually going on, I gave her as much love uh, as, as I could. I mean, I obviously I was damaged as it was, but I tried to be supportive, um, and. Once the truth came out, I found that her demeanor also changed and she was able to be supportive to me. Um, All I can tell you, darling, is just, you know, be kind as as best as you can. Understand that there's going to be times that he's going to be a little pissed at you. You know, I've been, I get pissed at my ex every once in a while. Um, You're not a bad person. You didn't do anything wrong. He came to this late in the game. And I'm sorry that there's, devastating outcomes that come from it, but you're doing the right thing. You're being honest. And I'm very sorry for the pain that you and your husband are feeling, but be kind to each other. I know you're going through a really rough time. Your kid needs it. You need it. He needs it. So, uh, hang in there, guys. It will get better, as you know, I keep saying, but I've experienced it myself. I've been through hell and back, and I'm, I'm happy. In the end of it all, I'm much, much happier. Thank you all very much for your calls, your questions, and your comments. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a call. 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day. It's log.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love letter of the day or you can have that delivered directly to your iPhone by getting the Savage Love app for iPhone or to your Android phone by getting the Savage Love app for Android. And me and the tech savvy at-risk youth, we'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>